Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Three Cast. I'm your host, Matt. I'm joined by Vincent Hui. How you doing, Vince? I'm okay. Long time no speak, my man. Yeah, it has been. We, you know, we haven't done a podcast since June. It's like over now. No, no. Well, the the, the only reason I think that is because the last time I used Skype, it says it was June. So I don't know if that's actually true or not. If we, if it just didn't, you know, say the time right or something. But anyways, Ricky's not here. I, we have no clue where Ricky is. He forgot or is doing something with Apple. Johnny Hive, I don't know. Um, he's just not here. So, anyways, this yeah. is a three cast. We review movies, TV shows, things like that. This time, we watched a movie. This was never actually released in North America, right? No, it had to have been. It had to have been. Okay, the reason why I said this because that's what it said on Wikipedia. So I have no clue. Maybe maybe it was okay. the maybe it was the the sequel that wasn't ever released here. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm Chinese and it's just like it was everywhere in my <laughs> in, in my community. It was like it was everything. Okay, so why don't you tell us what we watched and what this is about? Okay, everyone. So this is, again, breaking from uh, the kind of mold a little bit for my typical choices on movies. I mean, we've done some kind of heady movies in the past, but this one, just to kind of appease the kind of uh, action orientation of my colleague, uh, Ricky, who is not on the call. Damn it, man. The one time. Um, I decided to go for a little bit of an action chopsaki movie. In this case, I went for the Ip Man movie. And uh, the general premise of the movie is uh, it's it's a typical horror, um, not uh, horror, it's a war horrors uh, kind of, uh, you know, little guy fighting against the big world situation. So uh, the, the bottom line is its uh, premise is steeped in the kind of histrionics or history of uh, early uh, pre-World War II uh, situation in southern China. So we're, we're seeing the kind of um, province of uh, Foshan. Um, uh, and I, I should mention beforehand that this was a big rallying movie um, in, in, the, in the Chinese uh, community. Uh, just a little backdrop here. We'll, we'll talk maybe about this in, in, in a moment. But uh, it is very much a pro- uh, uh, Asian or uh, pro-Chinese uh, sentiment uh, that that's, you, you can't deny. It's kind of steeped in that. But it's kind of almost a propaganda movie. So basically, it takes place pre-1930s, like uh, pre-World War II uh, with the invasion of, of uh, southern China by Japan. Um, so it follows this kind of uh, tra- uh, story of this man named Ip Man, who is, again, back in that part of China, and there's a way to play a stereotype, that the cool thing for all the Asian guys to do in their free time was to uh, engage in health clubs or basically martial arts clubs so you know how you'd have like gangs um but it wasn't really criminal activity gangs it was just like you know you had uh, different schools different disciplines um of, of of martial arts and every school kind of professed to be the you know a really good one and in particular in the southern foshan province of china uh that was a big deal and there was a um in, in this one province there was a lot of different schools and one uh particular master of 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 this uh martial arts form called Wing Chun, um, which is traditionally mythically associated with uh, being developed by a woman. Um, It was more of like a kind of feminine kind of exercise, but not really useful for fighting kind of martial arts. Um, uh, This man, uh, it man, was a kind of master of it, but but he didn't really teach anybody. 
So long story short is that um, eventually uh, you see a couple of invasions of like just northern uh, Asians, northern Chinese folks uh, kind of coming to Foshan province and beating up all the other um, uh, heads of the schools. Uh, just to make a point, but Ip Man being the kind of guy that he is, he's trying to be more modest and he's trying to be a good guy. But eventually he kind of uh, repels this kind of um, uh, gangs, uh, the, the nefarious gangs uh, of martial artists coming from the north. Um, but then eventually World War II uh, plunges southern China. China into a kind of disastrous situation and um, eventually uh, there is and this is actually like not I'm not saying it's true but there's a lot of bad stories back in the old days of these kinds of atrocities uh, we only need to look at the rape of Nanking for example of uh, Japanese uh, military uh, you know uh, incursions uh, to say it lightly um, in, in China like there are massacres right um, but they were really treating the uh, Chinese people poorly um, to the point where they basically had like Chinese fight club where it was like you know you'd have uh, Chinese people fighting for like meager bags of rice uh, against uh, to prove uh, their 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 entertainment for for the Japanese uh, troops, um, and so eventually uh, they they kind of the Japanese forces uh, start incurring into Foshan, and of course they start picking fights with all the kind of uh, captive captive um, Chinese uh, martial art uh, heads. Eventually, uh, this prompts Ip Man to have to rise to the occasion. And um, there's a whole back and forth about like, uh, it's basically like Mortal Kombat. Um, but at the end of the day, Ip Man um, fights uh, the uh, Japanese generals. Um, and it's like a rah, rah, rah story at the end where uh, Ip Man kind of redeems himself. And uh, that's where the movie generally ends. Now that's a very quick synopsis because I just kind of, you know, all action movies, if you take out the action, there's not really much of a plot. But the reason why I thought this was a fun movie is because it's it's kind of like your atypical, uh, you know, Chinese chopsaki movie, right? Um, and it, it does put the martial arts, uh, the Wing Chun in particular, Kung Fu, uh, that style of Kung Fu into the forefront, which is typically not really that present. Um, and it also uh, is just an enjoyable movie that I thought uh, my man Ricky would like. And um, I also figured that because, Matt, you're a bit of a closet historian. I'm not sure how much you're familiar with the uh, Pacific, um, you know, front during World War II, but uh, I know it never gets, and not to, you know, diminish the Western Front atrocities like of the Holocaust, but uh, there was a lot of bad stuff going on the Pacific uh, front uh, during World War II, and it never really gets a lot of attention um, outside of maybe circles of Asia. But uh, I, I thought that it was just like, you know, you're, you might have been watching this from a historic lens and just saying, man, uh, who, who knew, right? So I thought, I thought this was a fun kind of uh, movie. I've got a couple of things invested in this myself, uh, and I'll talk about that later. But uh, I guess without Ricky here, let's hear your Western take on this movie. Okay, so I have a, quite a few things to say about this. First, I, I talked about this before we started recording. I'm not a fast reader, so I had to kind of stop and go back and read it. Because you know me, I'm always going to look for the plot and everything. And that's just the way, I mean... I look for the plot in Call of Duty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So so I was looking for the plot. And I thought that this movie was going to go in a completely different direction because I had no uh, knowledge of this movie beforehand going in. I just downloaded it and started watching. So I didn't Google it or anything. So I had no clue what it was about. Uh, I actually didn't even know that it wasn't like in English before I started. So that was a surprise. Sorry about that, um, man. <laughs> no, no. It's, it, it, it's fine. It, it um, The first – so – before, I guess before I get into talking about what I think about the movie, the the first thing that I 
The first thing I was a little bit disappointed in was the the music. Like I always start off with that. Like the, and the reason why I was disappointed in it was because that the the music there ver- during the opening credit was like really good. Like I had this the really upbeat. It was very nice, um, and it kind of set my expectations for like, man, the music in this movie is gonna be really good. And then there was no music in the entire the entire movie. I mean, there was background music and stuff, but I mean. It, I don't know. It, it felt like this movie kind of needed a uh, a theme. It needed John Williams. I don't know. Um, that that was my first take from it. Um, okay. And then like the first man, I I got through the first like ten minutes of this movie. I was like, God, this is gonna be a really bad movie. Um, because the, the first ten minutes is just like them sitting down and having meal after meal. Like there's one fight against um, what of it? The other. The other, the other martial arts uh, leader, right? Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know what his name is. Um, but yeah, that's like the only fight in like the first 10, 15 minutes or so of the of the movie. Everything else mm-hmm. is just them, you know, interacting. And the, the dialogue, I don't know if it's like a translation thing, but some of the dialogue was like, oh, you know, we're just, are, let's invest in my mill or something, you know. Um, so it's a. The first ten minutes wasn't all that great. It was kind of, but once the um, once the the guys from the north came down, I was like, oh, this is this could get interesting because the way I thought it was going because they had the whole plot where, uh, it man's wife was like not really okay with him spending all this time, you know, yeah. fighting and stuff like that. I thought for sure once he defeated the guy from the north that that guy from the north was going to become the villain, right? The absolute yeah. overall villain of the movie. He was going to like kidnap the kid or kidnap the wife or something like that and that man was going to have to go you know Same, guns blazing yeah. over, all over the place to get his family back and fight for for their honor and all this stuff but no that it completely took a like a completely different turn when the like all of a sudden hey the war happened you know and the japanese invaded and stuff like so it went, it went a completely different way than i thought it was going to which i actually enjoyed that turn turn because i mean first now that i after I was done watching the movie, I went and did some research on it. Like, this is... It Man's the guy who trained... Like, this is a biographical movie in some ways, probably. Kind of. Sure I mean, this one's very loosely, kind of. Like, I mean, it was, like, the first one, and they weren't sure if they were going to make sequels. So it was just to really capitalize on, hey, did you know that the guy who taught Bruce Lee, he was a pretty good kick-ass martial artist, too, and he had some kind of uh, role in, in, in the kind of, I don't know, uh, protest or, or, you know, anti-Japanese, uh, you know impact right yeah so i like i said i had no clue any of that what i had no clue who, who this guy was and you don't really find that out or anything interesting about you know bruce lee or anything until the very end right so after i went and did the research it's like oh this is why this stuff is important and why it took that turn and you know when why i didn't do because if this had been a hollywood movie like mm-hmm. it for sure would have followed that initial plot line there would have been no turn in the middle to go into the realistic route of you know actual war that actual happened you know so mm. that was that was an interesting turn of events and i enjoyed i mean it's hard to say i mean i enjoyed the because they brought in a lot of the like the stuff that happened there at the beginning that was more of a very lighthearted. when things turns you know bad you know some of the characters flowed through and that was nice the whole the the brother of the guy who pulled and when at the beginning when he pulled his pants down that that guy the brother died and the yep. the the younger kid 
you know, Heath showed up at the, through the end and he was in that gang. You know, it, it was uh, that, that the, the subplots were kind of nice. Now, the, fi- the fighting stuff was obviously fantastic, right? You can't have this kind of movie and have really bad. If, if, if the fighting scenes were bad, you're right. This would be a kind of a crap movie. Um, but the fighting scenes were excellent. But the thing I know I noticed, and maybe they probably did this on purpose, but uh, the you never really get a sense that Ip Man was in any danger at all in any of these fights of losing ever, right? And, yeah. Right. And and I mean, like I said, they probably did this on purpose, but in, in a lot of fighting movies, you kind of want to get the sense that you know there he has at least the chance of losing, right? This. Even even in the fight at the end where he's fighting the Japanese general, he pretty much kicked his ass the whole time, you know? I mean, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he had a little, he finally had a little bit of blood on his face, but other than that, it was just kind of him kicking ass all the time, which is fine. It's just, you know, it's one of those things that I kind of noticed. Um, th- so, a couple other things. First, the cop that shows up there at the beginning after. Mm-hmm. Um, the kite guy, you know, exposes the other master. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know if it's the translation that, that they did or whatever, but that guy reminds me of Javert from Les Mis. Because he, 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 he has a line that says, you want just something like, you want justice? I am justice. <laughs> and then, you know, he, <laughs> he, he shows up through the entire movie, right? He's, he ends up as the translator for the, the Japanese and stuff. Like, he's there throughout the entire movie. Now he doesn't do that whole thing in that uh, ja- Javert in, in Les Mis does, where he just pops up out of nowhere, like what the hell is he doing here? But uh, <laughs> he he does his through the entire movie. Obviously, it's not as you know lighthearted as it started out to be, but you know that's just something that I noticed. Like I don't know if they, I doubt very much they did that on purpose, but for whatever reason, that initial scene where he pulls the gun, he's like, uh, "You rascals are always fighting, you hooligans or whatever," and. Um, it man comes up and like, like oh we we were just having fun or whatever, you know it just that whole thing there reminded me of that initial scene of Clay Miz, which for whatever reason I don't know why, um but overall I liked the movie, um it wasn't I mean it wasn't like high plot but I think that the a lot high of, cinema yeah I I don't I think that some of the reason why some of the dialogue came off is a little weird was because of translation things but. Um, other than that, yeah, I really liked it. The fight scenes is good. Um, so here's a confession that I have. Uh, I've never watched a Bruce Lee movie. Not a single one. You know what? Um, that's not a surprise because, I mean, the last Bruce Lee movie that came out was, like, before you were born by, like, decades, I think. Um, and, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I would, like, ask, ask anyone, have they, how many, uh, Buster Keaton movies have people watched? Probably not so many, right? So I don't, I'm, I'm not going to hold that against you, but you can see that, like, you know, I think you do know of the man, right? And oh, I think yeah. that there's enough reverence in Western society to say, okay, uh, if I think about a kind of Asian celebrity, it's like, yeah, Bruce Lee pops up to mind, but for what? Martial arts. And he's the one that brought it to the mainstream media. Well, there's like two that you, um, there's like two that you know, you know, Bruce Lee and you know, Jackie Chan, you know, those are the two, right? Yeah. Just a little side note. It was funny. I had a plumber come to my, uh, I had a plumber come to my house and, um, I, I basically had done everything, you know, architect in the back, uh, you know, background. Right. But, uh, I, I had done everything except for, um one element which i want to make sure i got to uh, it, it, long story short i needed a plumber to actually do something like because it's licensed right but i had undone all the bolts and all that stuff and all the fittings right to make his life easier 
this guy who came in with like you know clearly English second language, but you know uh, I'm going to say he's he's kind of probably Eastern European background, and I don't live in my my place is not in Toronto. I live in rural uh, Canada, right? So this guy comes to my house, sees me, and he's like, oh, and I don't think he'd, he'd ever like been in contact with an Asian person before. Full disclosure, those of you guys listening, I'm Asian. Um, comes in and he he's he's looking at me and how I undid the bolts, and he goes to me and he goes, oh, listen, you. Like Bruce Lee, super strong. You 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 undid the bolts like Bruce Lee, and I was like, oh yeah yeah, that's all good. I did it by my hand. But then I think like ten minutes later, I come back to him, and he's like, I think he realized, oh no, I don't want to sound racist. So he's like, no, listen, when I say you like Bruce Lee, I didn't mean it because you're Asian. And I was like, no, it's okay, man. So it was just kind of funny that even the plumber was like, yo, I didn't want to be accused of being racist in your house. Because obviously all Asians are Bruce Lee. <laughs> I mean, you you, 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 you all know Taekwondo and you all know Kung Fu. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. funny. It was just funny because he's like, oh, no, no, no. I didn't mean it to be racist. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I kind of get that. Yeah, that's uh, funny. But just uh, coming back to the, the, the movie, though. So I, I want to know from your standpoint, because I think you've, you've got at least a good sense of like uh, – say how there's propaganda movies and how there's also movies that kind of airbrush a little bit of like um the the stuff in history i mean like you got the extremes of like yeah you know uh schindler's list which you know just tells a, a very clear narrative of oscar schindler but in the with the backdrop of the melodrama of, of the holocaust right and then there's also like at the other extreme uh, the the World War II is a backdrop, but then they take really weird parafiction liberties where it's like Inglorious Bastards, where you know Brad Pitt ends up machine gunning to death Hitler or something, right? And you're like, what, what the hell just happened, right? So, um, in in the context of like World War II narratives, obviously this is a you know uh, high flying Asian kind of uh, gymnastic string kind of uh, rope uh, karate movie, kung fu movie, sorry. Um, but like, you know, as, as a kind of war narrative with the histrionics, um, I was wondering if you picked up on anything or like anything stood out to you. Well, well the one thing that you said earlier is completely right, is that for whatever reason, when history is taught here in the United States, the the German front is definitely the one that's covered the most. Right. We don't really cover a lot of the Pacific uh, theater really until the end right like which is weird because the americans were the ones that were spearheading the western front on the sorry the western power uh, effectively after well, pearl harbor right right that's the reason why we got into the war was because of pearl harbor but it, it, whenever for whatever reason when it's taught here it goes from pearl harbor to immediately d-day you know what i mean yeah right there's nothing in between like we don't like we hear a little bit about like, the, and then you say Nagasaki and Hiroshima, and then it's like done. Right. Those are those are the three things we learn: it, it, Pearl Harbor, D-Day, and then the nuclear bombs. You know, what I mean, that's yeah. those are the three things we learn. We we may hear something in between about how FDR had you know turned all the car factories into plane factories, and we yep. he said he was going to make a ten thousand planes, we made a hundred thousand, rah rah, America, we're all great and stuff, mm -hmm. right? We might hear about that, but we don't hear. I mean, I would bet you. Probably about half of today's youth have no clue what Iwo Jima actually is. You know, maybe they've seen the statue, but they don't know anything about, you know, like the things that went on. And I would almost guarantee that the vast majority of kids these days, I mean, and even kids, people my age, have no clue that Jap Japan even invaded China. You know, like they'd have yeah. no clue. 
right? And I mean, it's sad. Like I knew, but even my knowledge of that area of the war is very lacking, right? It's I'm I know much more about the you know the whole interaction between the British Empire and, and Germany and and are the like D-Day and the stuff surrounding that than I do this area. So I I can't really say that anything really stood out. What interested me the most was because you get a lot I mean this happened obviously pretty much in every major war is that um when a power invaded another country that the iconography stuff and stuff like that can completely change. So they did a really like you see Japanese flags all over the place once they've invaded, right? And yep. it really changed the tone of, not that the tone, but like the the presence of the movie. Like they, before, like I said, this movie took a turn when the the war when they invaded, right? So you get this really lighthearted beginning, and everything is really bright, and the you know you get some like as as the northern guys are coming through, they're going through like the like the city or whatever, and all the colors is very popping and stuff like that. But after the turn, it's very gray, right? Yeah. And the only color that really stands out, like I'm sure that there was other colors there, but the only color that feels like it stood out through the entire second part of the movie was just the Japanese flag, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, like, because you mentioned, because I didn't really catch on to the, the propaganda nature of the movie because I was too busy reading <laughs> the the text and stuff <laughs> so um like i said there was a lot of times where i had to go back and like read because i was trying to pay attention to the plot and stuff and it, the uh, you can now that you mentioned you can really tell you know that aspect of it but also it, the more i think about it on the end is that they really did change the like the hue of the movie after the the, the, yeah. the invasion so that, that was interesting too now they i'm thinking about it further i i have i have a whole bunch of comments i just want to make but um just very quickly though before i jump into that matt do you ever did like i mean i don't know because you're you're a bit in in the middle of america but did did your family have any servicemen in world war ii uh my grandfather yeah he he's fought and um you know i'm not sure on my dad's side to be honest with you i don't think anything that i think most of those were vietnam um oh okay and beyond that i really don't know i'm i'm i know my grandfather on my mom's side was in world war ii but he fought in uh he was in the on the german Italy. oh wait yeah d-day and and stuff yeah okay so 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 hear me out here because um you know i I, i'll I'll touch on a couple things um so when you were talking about the the kind of shift in the movie, um, and we're talking about the propaganda nature of it, the funny thing is that if you watch any movie that really is considered propaganda, that's usually during the it, like in the midst of like uh, some sort of conflict, right? Like if if Ukraine were to have a movie, like producers from Ukraine made a movie, it would be considered propaganda if it was saying bad things about Russia, for example, mm-hmm. right? Because that's a current mm-hmm. at, at you know very uh, in the in the kind of news kind of thing. But this is the weird part about this movie. Because uh, a lot of people would look at it and say, well, why is this coming out at this time? Because, dude, World War II, like, you know, that was 70 years ago, man, uh, or 80 years ago. Let it go, right? Um, but the thing is, um, you got to understand the backdrop. In Asia, um, people have never forgiven um, Japan for what has happened at, 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 in that instance, right? Because, remember, 
uh, World War II ends, Germany has to like basically sign off. And like, you know, if you look at the laws in Germany, like you can't deny the Holocaust. You do that. You have a, you have the swastika. You go to jail. Right. There's like there's like legit infrastructure that says you're, you're a bad person in Japan. It's like an apotheosis of those people that died in the conflict to, you know, uh, fight for Japan. Right. There's temples and shrines where like every year um, you have a whole bunch of, uh, of of kind of protesters where it's like, yo, man, the prime minister of Japan just went and gave, you know, uh, bowed out uh, at, at the temple for all the kind of kamikaze guys. Right. That that kind of killed themselves to to kind of uh, blow up American ships. And at the same time, you know that. Um, uh, during World War II, uh, a lot of the Japanese, as they kind of expanded into like the Philippines, Korea, and all those other countries, they actually basically enslaved, essentially enslaved the women and made them into brothels and called them comfort women, right? And and so there's this been legacy where there's no apologies that's been really issued on that front, right? So in essence, a lot of Asia does not like Japan, right? And the worst part is, of course, Japan, basically, as we know in history, if you ever want to get rich as a country, get in a fight with America. Because inevitably, America's going to bomb the crap out of you and then just raise you back up so that you're going to be a really good performer in that in that local part of the world, right? We so were in Japan, Japan for a long kind of, time. I'm sorry? Afterwards. We were in Japan for a long time afterwards. Yeah, exactly. And, and and you were making sure that they could, you know, get back on its feet to the point where it got back on its feet and started doing jumping jacks uh, relative to everyone else in Asia. So there's been a lot of animosity and it's never, and it's never kind of gone away. And so the way I look at it, it's not propaganda- uh, as in like a kind of hot war kind of thing. But I think it's more like a cold war kind of thing where like um, Asia, like Asians in general, are just like, yo, man, uh, way to stick it to, to Japan, right? I mean, if you look at early Bruce Lee movies way back in the 1970s even, uh, it was, again, Bruce Lee in World War II fighting against Japanese uh, enforcement. So I just wanted to draw that at that, that kind of parallel because this is a movie about Ip Man who eventually teaches Bruce Lee and it's situated against, uh, uh, again, Chinese versus Japanese fight. Bruce Lee's uh, big movies um, in his early days were all about, hey, fighting uh, Chinese against the Japanese aggression. So I thought that was an interesting thing about the propaganda side. The other part that I, I want to bring up is so, you know, when I was talking about your father, uh, sorry, your family side and just how, uh, you know, whether or not you know your your history and, and their role in World War II, the problem is a lot of Asians, right, we remember that stuff and our families kept on telling us about this stuff. So I know my family is from Hong Kong. And, and eventually, if you watch the epilogue of this movie, um, Ip Man eventually um, has to leave uh, Foshan and move down south to Hong Kong, where he settles in and becomes a grandmaster there and teaches, of course, the likes of Bruce Lee. Um, the thing is, um, when World War II broke out, my family, my, my father's side, uh, they were in Hong Kong. And uh, it basically, Japan just walked right in after. This is the craziest part. You'd love this um, as a historian. Pearl Harbor happens and Japan thinks it's got the upper hand. The next day, do you remember what happened after the day after Pearl Harbor, Matt? I'm going to shoot myself for not knowing this. Well, no, no it's, it's OK, because most people don't like at an American level. All America, and, and, and it's not it's not to say it's a negative thing, America got bombed out by Pearl Harbor. The next day, all we remember is, of course, FDR getting to, you know, saying, you know, it'll, it's a day of living infamy, right? And they were just picking up the pieces, right? But what America doesn't, or Western history doesn't always remember, is that the next day after Pearl Harbor, well, why do you think Japan dropped the bombs on Pearl Harbor? Well, it was because then it 
paralyzed America. So then they just kind of walked the next day into Hong Kong, parts of southern China, parts of Philippines. And that was the kind of game plan. So after Pearl Harbor, my family got booted out of like basically they got captured in, in, in Hong Kong. Right. And the crazy thing was that Hong Kong, as you might know, is a British, former British colony, right? So they were under British rule. So guess what? A bunch of Canadians were sent to help fight the Japanese invasion forces going to Hong Kong. And if you go to Hong Kong right now, you'll find that there is an entire cemetery devoted to the absolute slaughter of Canadians in defense of Hong Kong, right? So the reason why I'm putting all this backdrop of history is because it's a personal thing for me. And my my grandfather was there picking up the pieces after the, you know, after the kind of uh, surrender by Japan, my grandfather was there and he was one of those people that was like when, when the when the banks and everything were being ransacked and all that stuff, my grandfather would just kind of keep IOUs from different people and help them out. And, and like to fair to full disclosure, if you go to parts of southern China, there's two schools with my grandfather's name on it, right? Because he helped them out during World War II, in the aftermath of World War II. My grandfather was out there helping out and apparently, this is the legend in my family, like um, he was in Foshan and, and helping out, the, and there's a school with my grandfather's name in Foshan province. And it was because he was directed there because again, he had uh, rubbed elbows with this grandmaster. And it's just this crazy small world where it's like, is it legend or isn't it? But like clearly my, my grandfather did get his ass out and help out the, the schools in Foshan. So it's just a crazy, crazy small world. And I thought that it was like one of those things where at a historic level, you're like, this is stuff of legend. And yes, there's a mythos and there's a great hyping and, and dramatic liberties taken with it. But I thought it was a fun, fun uh, kind of uh, story just put in, in, in kind of the backdrop of this kind of fiction that you see, but there is a real history behind it. So I thought it was a kind of fun thing to show and share and tell. You know, as you were talking, it, it's one of those, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast. Um, I don't want to be anti-American because, you know, I are one. But <laughs> it, every time we t end up in a history conversation, it always kind of reminds me of how horrible history, the history curriculum here is in the United States. Because we don't learn any of that kind of stuff here. Like, the, you know, I mean... It would be weird to teach the history of the Canadian military here, I guess, in any depth. <laughs> so it wouldn't, it's not surprising that I didn't know that, you know, the Canadians went to help, you know, in Hong Kong. But it's one of the reasons why I like history so much is that there's so much more than what you're ever going to learn in, you know, a high school history course. Because, they're, I mean, first of all, they're very time constrained, obviously, but also... It's so regimented into, I mean, it's like a, it's like you're reading a timeline of stuff that they, they have to go through. You get revolutionary war, you know, um, you know they're not going to mention the war of 1812, but, you know, maybe in passing, you know, <laughs> uh, and, you know, you're going to move on to the, the major, the major points. You're never going to get into the, the little stuff. I mean, quote unquote, little stuff, the stuff that happened between mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the nuclear bombs and the, you know, invasion and stuff like that you know you're not going to get into any of that stuff so every time we get into this this kind of conversation just kind of reminds me of how much more stuff is out there that i just never know um it sometimes makes me feel inferior and, and like a horrible historian but and i just kind of can't know all that stuff but that story you told that's very 
that's a very cool story and it's it's um it's it's interesting that you have that kind of tie to this movie um in, at least in some way you know what i mean yeah, I mean, it's really tangential, and I mean, it's like the family legend, so you're like, eh, maybe grandma was a little bit, uh, you know, on meds or something when she was kind of recounting, but it's, it's still a fun thing to hear about. But anyways, I know that we're talking about the historic kind of sensibilities, because I know that you and I kind of uh, really relish in that kind of milieu. However, I mean, just, you know, to, to pay respect to uh, Ricky, who should get his ass here, um, the, the thing was, let's not deny the fact that the, you, you you mentioned earlier, the martial arts, right? I mean, it, it's fun wire acting kind of, uh, you know, very kind of fanciful choreography uh, martial arts, but it still does put Wing Chun um, as, as a kind of kung fu uh discipline you know facet that um some people in the west might not have been necessarily aware of right like when he's practicing with the wooden dummy you know what i mean um, I'm, I'm not sure if you've ever seen that um but also like just the kind of way it works it's not like just lots of like really big kicks or anything it's it's a very you can tell the difference in style right and i should mention that the guy who's playing um it man He's Donnie Yen, and that guy's been in, like, tons of Chinese, or tons of Chinese movies to begin with, but also lots of, like, if you ever watched Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, a um, couple of other movies, uh, you would have noticed that Donnie Yen's there. And that dude is, like, I don't know, I, I want to say he's, like, I think he's almost 50, 60. He's, he's like, got to be 50-something, right? Um, but he's been doing it for a while, and I'm really glad to see that he has actually... Uh, taken on that role. He's he's a very good martial artist, um, and and I think that and I think he was from Boston, if I'm not mistaken. He grew up like he's he grew up like in the states, right? So uh, it's just kind of funny that uh, he, you know he, he he had to go back to his roots to play like an old ancient Chinese kung fu master. Uh, he's 59. He's born see? in 63. Yeah, see? Told you, man. Us Asians, we just uh, you, 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 yeah, um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't notice that, man. Um, okay, so he's, in, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm looking through his, his uh, IMDb page. He's, yeah. he's, he's in the, the, the third triple X movie. <laughs> oh, is he? Oh, great. Yeah, also, see, see, again, I, I might be a fan, but again, I don't go into Ricky territory. <laughs> <laughs> he's in the, uh, um, Rogue Ones. A Star Wars story. Yes, yes, of course. Yep, yep. Um, the, the reason why I'm looking is because he looks very familiar. Now that I see him as an older guy, uh, he looks very familiar. I think he was in a, um, a Jason Statham movie, but I can't remember which one. I don't see it here. Maybe I'm just... <laughs> Asian bad guy number four. Uh, <laughs> I... I don't know why. In generic Jason Statham movie number two. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me in fighting in fighting movies. When yeah. I think fighting movies, I think Jason Statham because, of course, I do. <laughs> God, he <laughs> can't make a good movie to, for the life of him. But I still watch them. I can't help it. Um, yeah. All right. Anyways, so what are the sequels like of this movie of this franchise? Um, you know what? I, like I don't want to. Uh, okay. So, so the, yeah, there's uh, like so. Um, they they aren't so great, but they do pander a little bit more to two things: uh, to a celebrities and b um, a little bit more of the history. Because um, I think people really did want to discover or reacquaint themselves with that history. That that kind. So so um, you you it, 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 like we start off in Foshan at the big pre World War II. 
Um, the next movie, I can't. The next two movies, they kind of blur to me. But like they again talking about that the, the first dimension, they bring celebrities. So you have celebrities like Mike Tyson actually shows up in the next one. But he doesn't show up as like um, Mike Tyson. Obviously, he shows up as like an American gangster. Remember, post World War II, uh, we know that Japan and Asia, for 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 the most part, was helped out by Western forces to get back on its feet. So a lot of not only American forces and you know benevolent groups came in, but you also had gangs and stuff like you know black market stuff come through. So um, you know Mike Tyson comes in and plays that role. Um, I can't recall what the third one or what the other one uh, deals with, but it, it basically kind of, again, brings another celebrity fighter into the mix and, and throws him in. The best part is that when you get to the last one, <clears throat> uh, Ip Man 4, it actually is about Ip Man visiting a full-grown Bruce Lee, who is now a celebrity, right? And he's just visiting California, and he's witnessing the kind of overt racism that's emergent um, with Asians, uh, you know, being treated differently from Westerners in, uh, you know, America, right? And that's kind of how it ends, because again, becomes that pass off uh, to the next generation, right? Um, so I just thought it was very interesting to just see that bigger arc. I'm not sure if that was actually planned, but that 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 is kind of like a, a, a those two dimensions: the increasing presence of celebrities and celebrity fighters, and also this kind of like uh, commentary with the kind of threads of some sort of histrionic uh, dimension. So we won't be seeing the sequels in the watch list, is what you're saying? No, I'm pro. I'm, uh, no, probably. I'm, I'm not gonna make people. I'm not. I'm not Ricky, man. What do you think I'm gonna make? <laughs> Let's watch thinking. all of the dark. No, no, not, what was that? What was that Green Lantern series they made? That he made us read, and I was like, dude, it's, it's like, like 58 under, issues or something. There was there was that one, and there was the the Darkest um, Night or I can't remember. Yeah, the the Batman one. That was. Oh. No, we haven't Green done a com- We haven't done a comic book in quite a long time, and Ricky's the reason why. <laughs> yeah, because he basically made us read like two lifetimes worth of DC movie comics, man. <laughs> like, hey, why don't you just get all the DC stuff and make us read all of it? <laughs> yeah, I, I swear to God, because I remember that I was like, Jesus, man, that's that's a lot to plow through, man. Yeah. Okay, uh, so-, but, so no, I'm not going to make you watch uh, all these. I, I thought it was just a good kind of commentary just to see what you guys thought about it but rick man you missed out you missed out man okay so i know I'll you give, like chop sake movies. yeah so i will give this movie a uh, three and a half out of five probably um yep. it was it was a it was a very good movie i don't know that i would watch it again simply because of the subtitles but um pro- if it was like on tv or whatever I'd probably catch it again because the fight scenes are really good. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, good movie, Vince. Yeah, I, I would give it. I'd give it uh, three and a half as well, and that's just because it's. It, I'm biased now because uh, it, it. It's something that just peers under the hood a little bit on just like the kind of struggle of southern China against Asia. I mean, against uh, the the kind of incursion across Asia by the Japanese uh, imperial forces. Uh, mind you, um, there are lots of other movies that that deal with that too. But um, yeah, so I, I just like it. it's entertainment. It's entertainment, very fluffy, uh, not historically on point for everything, but it's just fun, right? And it was a good movie. Okay, so that is the three cast for this time. I have no clue when our next episode will. We, we'll try to come back in October and do another one. Uh, our next movie is going to be the next James Bond film because I'm dedicated to every time it's my turn. Which to one is the next one? Is it, is it finally Octopussy then? 
I have no clue because I don't even remember what we did last time. <laughs> it uh, was uh, Roger Moore number two, wasn't it? I oh, I think so. Was it was it? Um, damn it! Now I'm gonna go to have to go look. Let me let me let me check. Um, uh, I'm too old for this, man. I'm too old for this. It's just been. We, it's just you been too long. Since. Let's see here. Our last, our last one. Let me go to see if I can actually find this. Let's see. We did the Fast and the Furious. It was a Spy Who Loved Me was the last one that we did. Okay. Okay. So. So James Bond, movie order. I have to look this up every single time. I see this. The Spy Who Loved Me. Let's see. Is. Uh, the next one is Moonraker. Wait. Moonraker. No. Really. Yeah. So, oh, I thought they took a break from Jaws. Oh, I guess they got to keep on keeping the Jaws guy. Yeah, because they still got to have Jaws, right? Yeah. Oh, God. I, I, I remember. Yeah, it's okay, coming back okay, to me now. I, can, I cannot wait until we're done with this. this Roger Moore? Back. Yeah. I, I don't really care for Roger Moore all that much. But then I didn't really care for – um um God, I cannot do, do names. Lazenby? Yeah, I didn't care for Lazenby either. So, anyways, I, I I think with when it comes to Bond, I'm more biased towards the more modern ones simply because those those are the ones that I grew up with. You know, yeah. like my first James Bond was Pierce Brosnan. He is a horrible James Bond, right? He, some of the the writing in the Pierce Brosnan movies was was were was horrible, like epically bad. Some of the some of those movies are just so bad, right? But he's the one that I remember first, so I have a, a propensity to like those movies a little bit better than I like the older ones. Anyways, that's beside yeah. the point. The next one is Moonraker. Then then we go to Four Eyes Only, Octopussy, Never Say Never Again, A View to Kill, and then, good lord, there's a lot of fucking James Bond movies. Vince? Yeah, Roger Moore is prolific, man. Um, we're never going to get through all the James Bond films. <laughs> uh, we're going to be in our 60s or 70s before we ever get this done. <laughs> yeah. We may end up having to... We can we we'll talk about maybe an email. Maybe we'll have end up having to do two at a time. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, like in this case, I think like the 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 Jaws duology uh, makes sense, right? And I and I think that um, uh, certainly when you get to the um, more more recent ones, uh, you can like do a couple of them at a time because like um, uh, I, I don't want to spoil it, but th- there's there's clear arcs, story arcs, in, in the more recent. Um, Bond oh, ones, right? Yeah, definitely. The, the the first three Daniel Craig's go together. Yeah. Um, so, and then there's yeah. Skyfall, which is just like, what the fuck is this even this movie? All right, anyways. It's Cedric, like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Like, we, we created this movie just so we can kill Judy, Judy Dench, okay? I mean, we, we need Voldemort, damn it. <laughs> Wait, just a quick question. Is Judy Dench still alive, but the Queen's dead? I'm sorry. It's, it's, yeah, she she is still alive. Judy Dench isn't dead, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, as far as I know, she's still alive. Um, okay. I'm okay. pretty sure. She, yeah. Matter of fact, I know she was still alive because she played. Um, she 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 was just in Cats not too long ago. Um, that was a couple she, years. Ago, yeah, there's a, there was another one she was just in. Um, I don't remember what it was. I don't know. I saw it on TV. Anyways, that's it for this episode. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at MTWB. Vince is VWHUY. Ricky, who is not here, don't follow him. I'm not even giving his handle. If he doesn't want to show up, he, he doesn't get promoted. Uh, anyways, you can follow the three cast at the three cast, uh, and we'll, we'll see you next time. All right. Take care, guys.